Welcome to the House of Lee NYC. Come on in, meet regular folks doing interesting things, and get tips for resourceful living. Hi, I'm Lee. Thank you for stopping by. In today's episode, I'm excited to introduce to you Dwight Sora. He's a third-degree black belt in the Japanese martial art called Aikido. He's studied the art for more than 20 years. He's now going to tell us all about Aikido and share with us some tips for choosing the right martial arts dojo or studio. I must let you know that not only do I love, love, love Aikido, and you'll find out why, but I also used to train with Dwight at a dojo in Chicago, and that's where he was when we met up via telephone. Let's meet Dwight now. So, Dwight, welcome. Hi, Lee. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. So let's just jump right in. What is Aikido, Dwight? Yeah, Aikido is a Japanese martial art. It's um, uh, but it's. Not like karate. Why? So, yeah, people really don't know this. This this is how I'll try to break down my very complicated sales pitch or explanation to new students. You know, most people, if you don't know anything, you probably assume all Asian martial arts are the same. Although what most people imagine comes from movies and it probably mostly looks like Chinese kung fu. Um, but then like, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korean martial arts are all different um, because there's different cultural origins. There's different philosophies behind them and then when we get to japanese martial arts um japan was interesting because of course it was dominated by for a long period of time by the samurai who were a a sword wielding uh, warrior culture and then as we get more detailed about that is that so because they the primary weapon was the sword uh they developed all these empty-handed techniques or unarmed techniques for how do you defend against a guy with a sword? How do you defend against a guy when you're trying to grab your sword, but someone's trying to like, you know, prevent you from using it? And that was different from like, um, sort of like high kicking, high flying sort of kung fu. Because if, if you've seen a samurai movie, you know they were wearing hakama, which were these long kind of pants. They if they were in battle, they wore armor, so you couldn't like fly about and kick and leap and so they developed um uh for lack of a better word they developed jujitsu which is different from brazilian jujitsu which everyone knows about now and we're still in japan we're still in japan yeah. okay so so yeah i mean <laughs> Stay this, gets, with us, folks. this gets so complicated so so basically so like yeah so in japan like we'll say that jujitsu is the generic word for all unarmed techniques karate doesn't include it because karate actually came from okinawa which is a separate bunch of islands from the main part of japan right and then you get many different types of jujitsu and so long story short one branch evolved into aikido which is a non-competitive has no tournaments um version let's say of jujitsu um it's a throwing and locking art as opposed to a striking and kicking art although there are some strikes in it and uh it's generally practiced as sort of a you know most people practice it you you do it because there's no tournaments there's no prizes you most people they do it for like a sort of an ongoing practice for like you know for health reasons for philosophical reasons and you know a big part of its appeal is that it um the the person who officially kind of made aikido aikido you know the, this japanese martial artist named morhei ueshiba developed a I don't want to say nonviolent, but let's say. Can you say his name again? Who is the founder? The founder is Morihei Ueshiba, and he had a philosophy. I'm. I'll say it was a peaceful philosophy. I don't. I wouldn't say nonviolent, um, which seems completely contradictory to Western ears. But if we have time to talk about that, we'll we'll go into that. So, 
that's Aikido. Um, and then for a long time, if you're an American, the most popular guy who did Aikido was Steven Seagal, who, who was who is a genuine um, Aikidoka, which is the word for a person who does Aikido. And he, he ran a dojo in Japan, and then he came to America and started running some dojos, and he got into the film business, um, got popular in some kind of B-grade action movies in the late 80s. Yes. <laughs> which graduated to big budget action films and then he with all due respect because like in the in the aikido world he is still for lack of a word a respected teacher so as an aikidoka i'm not supposed to say anything bad about him. but as a public citizen actor i don't like his movies people need to know that dwight is kind of a movie snob so take take his commentary as you will <laughs> as you will i actually really like seagal's early films i actually think they're fun action movies and actually showcase aikido and then he got kind of uh, fat and weird he was on that reality right that reality cap show that was i watched like an episode that was bizarre the reason steven seagal's name came up for us is because of his connection to aikido seagal was in a bunch of popular action movies in the 1980s using aikido one well-known seagal movie is above the law so if you haven't seen it and you're interested check it out Unfortunately, Steven Seagal has been in the news lately for allegations of sexual misconduct. However, in a March 2018 Washington Post article, Seagal stated through an attorney that all accusations against him are false. It seems that after Steven Seagal made his action movies, he went on to star in a reality show about cops. And that's what Dwight and I were talking about. So let's return to our conversation with Dwight Sora, who is a third degree black belt in Aikido and who for years also helped run a dojo in Chicago. So let's go back to Aikido and what you mentioned before about it, there not being any competitions. And that is what I love about Aikido. It's all about using your opponent against himself and using it when it's needed and not showing off. Yes. Which is what competitions and prizes and trophies are all about. It's a very humble sport. Yes. You know, Aikido is a thing where like, you know, when you're younger, you you can do a version of it where, like, you know, if as long as you're capable, you can take, like, hard falls and all the pinning and stuff like that. But as you get older, you can focus on more of um, what they call in, in Asian martial arts the, the internal aspects. You know, you real, you should always be focusing on that even when you're younger. The oldest guy in my current dojo, he's in his 80s, he still does Aikido, and, you know, he doesn't take high falls or anything. Right, but you, as a third degree... Do you feel confident walking down the street that you could take down somebody trying to attack you or or, or a group? <laughs> That's so interesting because I, I mean, and people people ask me about that all the time. Here's the funny thing: the more I do it, um, the less good I get as a pitch man, and and that sounds funny. The reason for that is like I'd say like when I was younger, um, I'd say definitely when I was like in my mid twenties, thirties, me and the guys who are the same age in training, you know, you I think if, if you become like you know one of the obsessed kind of students, which I did. Um, you do start like thinking about like, wow, oh, does this work on the street? You know, like, could I take on a mugger? And then you start doing crazy things like practicing break falls and you're in shorts and a, on a pavement, which I did. What's a break fall? Oh, a break fall is like you are practicing what to do if someone like basically grabs you and like, you know, chucks you through the air so you can like soft land soft in air quotes onto the ground let's say you but you you basically so you practice how to take that fall in a way so that when you hit the ground you are relaxed in your body as opposed to tense because if you're tensed up it will the impact yes i i dislocated a shoulder that way <laughs> but but like yeah when i was younger i was definitely into that and and some you know definitely i've got 
uh, some friends who still kind of have that mentality and and definitely some people I know who uh, you know I know some people who they approach Aikido really as a as a they don't just practice approach it approach it as a martial art they approach it as a fighting art which me philosophically I think are two different things okay to, to me like Martial art is a big tent thing, which encompasses everything from like Western style fencing to Greco-Roman wrestling to to Tai Chi to combat karate. Whereas fighting arts are like you are learning this to fight. So that would be like, you know, if I joined the Marines and went through a defensive tactics training program like that's real fighting. You know, if I was a cop and had to learn something, that's real fighting. You know, if I learned uh, Israeli Krav Maga, which is a mill. When you study something like Aikido or like traditional karate or traditional Kung Fu, I'm of the belief now, like it's it's you can you can apply some of that stuff to fighting, but that's not the main goal. That's not the only goal, um, you know. And and that's half of like what school and you know and whether you focus on the fighting aspect depends on both your own personality and what particular school or dojo you end up. Um, but where I'm saying like I'm a bad pitch man is like the more I do it, I'm like, you know, if people ask me like, you know, are you good at Aikido? And my response would be. I don't know. That's kind of, you know, that's a subjective question. And they said, like, like, do you, could you kick someone's And the truth is, I've never been in a street fight. And I really think about this strongly ever since, like, I saw this documentary. I saw an interview with, like, a a, a Marine, I think. No, it was an Army Ranger who does jujitsu. And, you know, he, he said, like, hey, you know, a lot of these storefront martial arts guys will say, to, you know, they'll, 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 they'll put on a show and they'll say, like, I can show you a technique that'll break a guy's neck. Oh. And the and and then the air and the army ranger he said he something he he said something very pointed. He's like, "Guess what? Like you can only say I can show you a technique that will break a guy's neck truthfully." And he was and he was very humble. He said, "If you've actually broken a guy's neck, cuz then you really know it works. If you've never broken a guy's neck, you don't know." But philosophically, that's an interesting point. So I was like, you know, the most of us who do uh stuff like Aikido, we're not soldiers we're not i mean you know there are so people who are soldiers and cops who do aikido but you know like me i'm just a middle class person i grew up in the suburbs i have a pro i'm a professional you know job and and we do it because we like it we do it our hobby and so i'm so if yeah so if you ask me i don't really know you know underlying that k-n-o-w i don't know if i can kick anyone's butt because i've never kicked anyone's butt that's the only way you really know I'm very proud of what I can do. You know, I think I've accumulated a lot of experience and knowledge in training situations. But let me ask you something. When you take the Q test or the, the test to get ranked uh, at whatever level and you're a third degree, don't you uh, at each higher level testing phase don't you have to fend off more and more people coming at you you do you do um so how many people have you fended off at one time during this testing period so at the last test i took um because because in aikido like after a certain point they stopped testing you um last test i took i did a three-man attack um now i would like to clarify that and i've seen these tests you know that's one reason why i never tested because i realize now that i'm older that i never tested because i was scared <laughs> and the thing is watching these three people come at the test taker it's quite a sight <laughs> you know if you've never seen aikido so i'll try to describe it as best I can in audio is so during Aikido black belt tests and the higher level, like, you know, junior ranks. So yeah, they do this thing called Rondori, which I guess translates as chaotic dancing. Um, and so it's a three man attack. Now I, I would like to make something clear. Like again, Aikido is a non tournament art. So, um, 
in many schools of Aikido, because there's many different styles in schools, but like the one I'm in, which is pretty consistent with most, is that the three-man attack usually consists of the three attackers only do one type of attack. And so like most time and I, it's, it's like one grab or, or like the te the teacher who's running the test will say like, okay, you punch him, you try to kick him. You, so there's ground rules. It's not just a, a random free for all. Aikido is not a street fighting art. It's, it's, um, you know, these traditional Japanese martial arts, it's, it's very much about teaching an attitude. I mean, that's why we wear the white outfit and, and everything, you know, because like none of that has to do with practical fighting. That's all about tradition and, and the mindset. So let's talk about the different schools of Aikido. Because when I moved from Chicago, which is where Dwight is based, to New York City, I was looking for a dojo and I had to call Dwight and say, wait, which federation am I looking for and why? Well, you know, so so Aikido, so right now at this point, there's many different, like in America, there's there's all these different um, Aikido dojo and these dojo all belong to uh, different organizations. What is the main, the truest form of Aikido from Ueshiba? Is there an answer to that? That is a difficult um, answer. Um, so because, okay, so one of the funny things is that the majority of, so there's all these different Aikido schools and organizations in America. All of our black belts, except for a few, as far as I know, all, pretty much all of our black belt certification goes through the same headquarters dojo in Japan, which is the do is World Aikido headquarters, which is the which was the basically is the central school. It's the dojo that was founded by the founder of Aikido. It's run by his family. It's currently his grand the grandson of the founder runs it. So if you ask like so like when people ask me, you know, like well, what's the difference between this organization and that organization? In a practical sense, not much. So what's the name of yours? My current dojo, the individual dojo I actually train at, is Chicago Aikido Club. And we're basically just a small club based at a Japanese community center. Our umbrella organization is the Aikido Schools of Ueshiba, or ASU. And is that what I would look for in any particular state or something? Is Aikido Schools of Ueshiba? Well, that's that's what you tr that's what you trained under. Um, but when you were here in Chicago, that's what I currently train under. And it's it's very I think it's very good. It's uh, ASU is was started by um, Mitsugi Saotome. Um, that's a very hard name. I'll say that again by Mitsugi Saotome Sensei, who uh, is one of the last living. Uh, direct students of the founder of Aikido. And it's a network of dojo around the country. It does training camps. But, you know, if I like to add something is that like, you know, we have all these different organizations and, you know, the truth of the matter is, and without trying to besmirch any of my seniors, is that the reason we have all these organizations really is about ego is because all these different teachers came over from Japan. And instead of banding together, they all started kind of rival organizations. And I'd say for a good 30, 40 years, um, those organizations really weren't very nice to each other. Yes, I've seen that firsthand. You know, I mean, I hate to make it sound like a Kung Fu movie, but it was almost like literally like, hey, don't train with those people. They're, they have no style. They, their, their Aikido isn't true, <laughs> whatever. And um, but the nice thing is like within the last you know decade or so, we've been having these bridge seminars, which are these weekend training events where like all the teachers of different schools are meeting and it's becoming a thing now. Yeah. 
let's talk about the selling points of Aikido. A couple of things come to mind for me. I mentioned it before, uh, which is I really enjoy the fact that it's really about going about your own business. But if somebody comes upon you, then you use them against themselves. Yes. I value that. The other thing is there's a concept about flow and going with the flow and not fighting against something. Yes. And that metaphor can be so useful in life. For example, when my kid was, you know, doing the crawling on the floor thing, he would find the snack in the cat bowl and he'd start eating it, you know, as a snack, the dry food. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to move the cat bowl, but where are we? Where is his flow? So what I did was I put a snack bowl of like goldfish for him. And so he then went to that. So in other words, not fighting the flow of something is so much less stressful in life. That's a very uh, basic example, but... Yeah, no, it's it's um you know the, I think the great thing about Aikido is that um it it's really about encouraging like this this attitude where like you can you know you don't fight the situation. You try to and it's and it's and I don't want to say you try to manipulate the situation either because that that implies like trying to exert control. It's it's about negotiating it. No, I mean so like you know on a on a strict technical level, you know, it's it is about like trying to take the other person's movements, their momentum, um, their balance, and then kind of like going with it and then redirecting it to your advantage. And so how do you use that in real life, in your practical daily life? How do you, how does Aikido present itself, if at all? You know, I mean, one of the interesting things about it is like, you know, in if uh, if you if you present like a if you're doing kind of a grappling practice kind of practice, if you use it as an analogy is so if, if you if you do try Aikido I and mean, this this sounds like magic. So the hard it's really hard to explain it to people without um, sounding hokey. Go try an Aikido class. It is magic. <laughs> you know, it's basically like, let's say you and this other person are like just just shoving against each other. And so if it's just about that strength. Um, it's all about, you know, the, the person who it just becomes as a matter of like who out overpowers the other person. And the, of course, the other thing in, in situations like that is our natural reaction is to tense up and, and like, you know, someone sh pu shoves aggression at you, you tend to shove aggression at back and like, you know, you, your, your forehead shrinkles up, your, your muscles all tense up. Um, Aikido basically presents the argument that you don't have to respond that way. You can actually there there is a state you know we tend we tend to think that like when, if, when you say relax people think relax is kind of is a floppy weak state people think that to exert strength you have to be all tensed up in aikido we, we argue that there's a natural state in between that in fact we're in it a lot of the time and in when you're in that natural state actually your body will work more efficiently you are calmer and you can see everything more clearly and you can make choices without having to like, you know, race your mind. And so like in the case of those two guys shoving is that, you know, the guy comes and shoves me. I kind of like, I meet him where he is and then just kind of gently go with him. And, and I also try to keep my attitude in check. So like, cause the thing is like, you know, if I start to move, he might notice my movement. He might try to put in more force. And then how do I not respond to that extra tension also? How do I like, like, oh, he's fighting more. Okay, just, just go with it, go with it, go with it. So if you're just joining us, we're talking to Dwight Sora, a third degree black belt in the Japanese martial art Aikido. And we're just talking about the state of things and tips on looking for your first dojo in your first class. 
so how else has Aikido helped you in real life outside the dojo, if at all? When I became a parent, definitely kind of similar to you. You know, it's it's that that ability to like resist the urge to get angry. You know, you, you, you're, you're tired, your kid's <laughs> screaming, you haven't eaten enough. You know, because Aikido is like a lot of arts. Um, you know, it reminds you to like, you know, take a breath, calm down. You know, the idea that like, your mind and body, and if you believe it, spirit, are not separate things. And Aikido is just quite honestly a nice workout, a good workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it can be. Again, it's very tricky. You have to, when you, if you're shopping around for Aikido schools, they're not all the same and not all classes are the same, not all teachers are the same. Some, some Aikido schools uh, really, really approach it. Um, they really like to get into the whole breathing relaxation. And so uh, you might go to a class if, and if you and if you go in with the idea like I want to see martial art and you see all these people kind of like moving slowly and working on their breathing you're like I don't get it but like that's one aspect of Aikido and there are some schools that approach it almost like Tai Chi and some of them have like absolutely no concern about the martial aspect you know and they and that might be a turnoff to some people guess what that's not the Aikido school for you if that's not your thing let's just jump into that point what are some tips for people who've never tried Aikido and or other martial arts? What should they look for in a dojo? How should they go about it? Go. Of course, like anything else, you should shop around, check them out. You know, we got all these tools that didn't exist before, like Yelp and stuff. Those are actually helpful. But what am I shopping for? I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm a total like, oh, Lee said this seems cool. Dwight said go for it. What am I looking for? So the interesting thing about it, here's where I become the bad pitch man, because it's actually very complicated. <laughs> um, it's simple and complicated. You, The best thing is you should go, because I, I've discovered that like often people who are interested in martial arts, they have some idea about it, but then sometimes um, they don't they don't realize what that idea really is. So of course, like some people go in with, there are people I know who go in with the idea, like they come in, they want to kick someone's butt and they come to an Aikido dojo and something grabs them or they come to a judo dojo and something grabs them and they come in and even though they originally came in with this idea they wanted to learn how to fight, they discover something that they didn't think they were interested in, uh, but they are. Now that's not everyone. Like I, I do believe like if you go in and it's not feeding what, if it's not feeding your impulses emotionally or whatever, it might not just be the place for you. I mean, I really believe you need to find the place that fits your personality. You should do a trial class. That's the big thing. So if I understand correctly, there are several different types of dojos and schools within Aikido. And so, for example, I may walk into a class and they're all meditating, it seems. And so maybe that's not the one for me. Maybe I need to go down the block or to the other ones that are on my list. And the one that's maybe a little more, let's, all right, put your, put your gi or the uniform on and let's get started. And you see an immediate call to action, I guess, is probably the one that I would want. What other differences are there other than the meditation and the quickly getting to the exercises? Yeah. I mean, s some places are run, you know, particularly if there's a teacher from Japan, some of them are very, very strict about the etiquette, you know, and some people respond to that very well, you know, because it adds to the sense of the structured environment. What are the, what is the etiquette? There's rules about bowing. There's, you know, the, the you're supposed to clean the dojo. Um, you are not supposed to think of the dojo as a gym. You are supposed to think of it both as a place of community, as a place of shared experience. Some people don't like that. Some people want to go in and out. You know, I, you know, they want to treat it like a gym. Some dojos are run more like, you know, a club. And if that's more your speed, 
go to that one. But you know, if, if you want the whole cultural experience and it, it works with you, go with that one. Some people really like having a strict teacher. Some people don't like having a strict teacher. Uh, and, um, you know, it it's a big part of it is like it's it's like it's the approach to the aikido or whatever martial art is it's the personality of the teacher and then the personality of the students there were some <laughs> you know there's some aikido dojo and other martial arts schools were like i know one turn off for some people is that they they seem a little cult like you know because they come in because the yeah why is that at the risk of offending certain people <laughs> i think you know sometimes it does come out of a bad place because there are places where you know the it there are t there are, and it's not because the teachers are evil they're human and and some of them their their ego gets a bit in the way and it's it, it, it and it's weird how like a, a big egos can kind of like attract certain types of students like planets into their orbit you know so let me ask you how do we know walking in what are some signs of a sensei who has a big ego what have you noticed in your experience are they show offy you know are they do they uh, are they willing to work with new people? You know, because some of them kind of like hold themselves up on high and they're kind of like, they don't really talk to you and they're like, you, and then they like, they turn to some others and like, you, Johnson, you work with this new person or, you know, like, you know, do they, do they act that way? You know, do they basically, you know, do they seem to put on airs or are they approachable? Okay. Um, and again, some people like those teachers who are, you know, like that. I mean, and if, if, if you respond to that kind of teaching, I'm not one to criticize you. You know, if, if it works for you. And how do we know whether a sensei is more down to earth on the, on the mat? I know my preference is for people who like, you know, who take the time to like meet with new people, say hello. Do they seem to be, um, you know, generous in their teaching? Do they, do they allow other people to teach? You know, is it, is it like, you know, is it, because some people like the idea, like the head instructor runs every class. Like, you know, if, if, I mean, and there, there are reasons to want to go to a dojo like that. Like maybe it's a really accomplished instructor who runs this place, like a tight little studio. Mm -hmm. But then there's other places that are run more like a big community family. And what is the gender breakdown of the dojo? You know, um, I do think that's a genuine concern, especially, especially if you're a, a, you know, a woman who's interested in it. And, you know, a male instructor was the one who told me that, having a lot of women and people of different ages and background is is very he didn't say it's absolutely necessary but he said it makes for a better dojo because he says hey and this is from a guy he says like you know because you get a group of guys together and nothing but guys and the same type of guy <laughs> it's just bad right and then the other thing too is when i visited a couple other dojos i was the only girl or woman and that kind of felt uh, like the vultures were out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that wasn't comfortable either. Uh, so let me ask you then also, uh, along with the organization, the structure of an individual dojo, I have noticed that some dojos, like you had mentioned, when you visit, then they have someone who is assigned or someone willing to sit down and talk with you. What are some other key things we want to look for that show that a dojo is well organized? I'm, I'm a big fan of avoid places that try to sign you to like a, a contract. Um, cause there are, that doesn't happen so much in Aikido, but I, I genuinely think that like, those are martial arts schools that just want your money. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm always a little suspicious and even I, and I've had people, friends who've had bad experience at places that like try to lock you, basically run it like a health club. Oh. Ones that don't do that. Ones that give you the opportunity to do a trial class for free, you know, as opposed to like join or else, <laughs> or nothing. Um, you know, like, are they family friendly? 
you know, do they have a kids class? Actually, do they, you know, if the place has a kids class is, is often a measure, like, is it a family friendly place? You know, how are they tied into their community? You know, like, you know, do they, do they, you know, it does, particularly if it's like a traditional Asian martial arts school, like, you know, are they tied into the local Asian American community? Do they participate like in events and festivals and, and stuff like that? Um, Cause I do think the best dojos are not just about martial arts. You know, it is about, some sense of family and community so what do you mean like they have block parties and things or maybe like you know do they you know do they you know because it's like some of the good dojos they like you know they have potlucks after the tests or or parties do the do they socialize with each other nice is, is there a social aspect i mean and you know it's an interesting thing because like like i i've known some senseis who they get kind of like like this is not a social club this is a dojo and i know where they're coming from because they they want it to be a place where people take the training seriously um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, but definitely like if that's not the place for you, you know, I, I definitely think if, if it's great to go to a place that has like a warmer atmosphere. So when someone walks into a dojo, they should ask the question, what type of community is this dojo encouraging or, yeah. uh, asking things like, are there potlucks after tests? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, or something like that. If, if, um, you know, what is, what is the culture of your dojo? Good one. What is the culture of your dojo? See, yep. <laughs> and and also, you know, I'm, even just as casual can, like, what what draws other people to this dojo? I, I think I think what draws other people to this dojo school is a much more valuable question than you say, like, well, what's 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 the difference between your dojo and the other dojos, um, which introduces a level of competition <laughs> right do you think people will have that answer oh well this is what draws people to our dojo do you think people will have that answer they'll be that uh, conscious of it it's it's interesting because i think a lot of i mean and, and i think this is a, a, a thing for like aikido in general it's like i think there's a lot of people who don't think about that you know and the, the interesting thing about aikido is that sometimes if you're an extremely dedicated experienced student you're the worst person to talk to <laughs> but you've been doing it so long you forget you it's weird if you if you do it for so long i'm like you forget why it drew you you because you're just doing it you know sometimes it's better to, you should it's, it's so actually a good thing is like if you do a trial class talk to the new people ah good one do a trial class and talk to people who have not been there as long who are kind of on the right. junior level because their perspective might be more helpful because again like i said like the experienced people you know the you know it's it's weird like you may get responses that you'll think oh, that seemed kind of snobby it's like it's not snobby they, they've just been doing it so long right 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 that's that's a great point. It'd be like kind of asking, a, you know, a, maybe a person like about their faith, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so then let me ask you, I want to know how long does it take to have some sort of rank? What do you recommend in terms of times per week to train and what length of class is a good one do you think you know most most classes are like hour hour and a half some some places it might be two hours and that's kind of average um if you really want to if if you re, if you are sort of um ambitious about progress you really need to do it for two to three times a week for a while i'm i've been doing this for more than 20 years so i'm at a point where like i don't i don't train as often as that uh as far as like how quickly it takes to get proficient or move up the ranks it, that really varies between dojos and organizations so if i get ranked in say your dojo and then i go across the country or town 
do I maintain that rank or do I have to start all over again? How does that work? That's that's a tr- that, that's a tricky thing. Usually if you transfer to a dojo within the same national organization, yeah, your rank is the same. And basically you you cuz you're a member of the same national organization. Um I've heard stories about some play- people who like, you know, maybe the only dojo in town where they moved to belong to a different national organization and then and they insisted that you start as a white belt again. Oh gosh. I I don't know if that's changing now that there's more bridging going on. And also, you know, like, you know, kind of also going back to like can you kick someone's butt is that you know, I want to stress that is like what a belt rank means in Aikido and actually what a belt rank belt really means in any martial art is Everyone needs to, it should be taken with a grain of salt. Like, like, you know, people ask me like, you know, there was a friend who said like, aren't you an Aikido master? At, and I'm like, <laughs> one, I, I don't want to say that. I, I think it would be really presumptuous of me to say that. Even among people who are black belts, like there are, there are people who are fourth degree black belts. And that does not mean that they are like a wizard with Aikido. There are people who get those belts who, because they're, very actively involved in the Aikido community. Like they might not be the world's greatest person in Aikido, but they're decent. They inspire new people. Um, they've been doing a lot of service and they get, they get promoted for those reasons. But they also have to have some sort of skill. You don't just get a fourth degree black belt level just because you're nice and bring pot luck, do you? No, that's some controversy, but. <laughs> I'm a really good cook. Maybe I could be black belt next year. <laughs> And so what is the highest level rank one can attain? Technically, it's 10th degree black belt, but I don't know of any 10th degree black belts in existence. A 10th degree black belt, that's a thing? In theory, it exists, but I don't know anyone who holds it. I feel i feel like in Japan, like, and if you ever hear about anyone who's an 8th or 9th degree black belt, they're really old. <laughs> Do you know any 8th or 9th degree black belts? Yeah, I, th- I think the guy I started with is an 8th or 9th. Is he old? Yes. <laughs> But I mean, and that's where like, particularly among American martial arts enthusiasts, and even some people that do Aikido, you know, they're they're like, oh, I call BS because this guy who's got this high rank, um, you know, can't, you know, mow down people single handedly. And it's like, well, that's not why he's got that rank. Uh. And I realized to some people, I, I, I totally understand sympathize with the people who think like, this should only be about, you know, the practical ability to apply techniques. But again, it's like, yeah, but this is this is a martial art. Mm. What rank do you aspire to attain? Or are you good and everything else is gravy? Yeah, well, yeah, actually, I feel that way because because <laughs> I mean, like in in my organization, generally speaking, testing kind of stops around third degree black belt. And afterwards, it it becomes more of a thing of like with higher ranking teachers kind of monitoring your progress. And can I can I just tell you, I've been dying to figure out where I can work in a Karate Kid reference, the wax on, wax off, and I haven't been able to figure out when to put it in. I might be able to lead up into that. <laughs> wax on, wax off. <laughs> uh, I'll think about that. For the listeners out there, if, if you go on YouTube, Aikido is interesting because like, as I tell people, like you know, the tricky thing with Aikido is that um, if you good Aikido looks fake. Ah, why is that? Because it looks dance-like and floaty. So wrapping up here, what takeaways would you like listeners to walk away with today? If you've never explored it, I think it's worth checking out. I think in today's modern world, forget about self-defense. I mean, that's an aspect of it, but it's an alternative form of exercise to the sort of exercise you get that's marked in a health club where it's like, you know, like, you know, feel the burn and be a great, you know, and that's this kind of stuff. It's like, it's it, the argument is like, you don't have to think that way. In fact, maybe thinking that way is not healthy in some ways. 
it is it, it's an alternative like and then and the, and, an, and that alternative approach is something you can apply to reducing the stress in your life to dealing with the conflicts in your life it's not magic it, it can it, you know it, it can feel wonderful but like you know it's it's lots of martial arts can offer this uh aikido is one of many paths but i do think it's one very very uh with lack of a better word like i do think you can have a very profound experience trying it Fantastic. So that was Dwight Sora, ladies and gentlemen, third degree black belt in the Japanese martial art Aikido. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for stopping by. That wraps up our episode for today. We are on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other favorite apps that you might have. Please, if this was interesting, consider giving us a five-star, well, me, <laughs> a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. And just to let you know, this episode was again sponsored by CityBikeCoach.com. Learn, ride, better. CityBikeCoach.com. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.